0: you're listening to a radio stockdale podcast podcasts that are inspiring interactive and feature various discussions of leadership ethics and law Welcome to Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker and joining me as always, Sean Baker, and today's topic is the 1991 film, What About Bob? So this film follows a therapist, Dr. Leo Marvin, Mm -hmm. and he is very accomplished in his field. He has a his office is on this big skyscraper building, high-rise. He just has released this best-selling new book about his therapy method called Baby Steps. He's one day away from his uh, big month-long vacation for Labor Day with his family. Yeah. But his last day, he gets refer- a patient referred to him, a Bob Wiley, from a colleague of his. And we see on the call that this colleague is frantically trying, packing up his office. He's quitting. He's quitting. And he's telling him to please take Bob Wiley. Leo uh, agrees. And then when he says that, we see the other ther- uh, therapist say, I'm finally free. Yeah, As he hangs he, up. And hangs goes, up. Free! Yes. And so so he says, okay, well, he talks to his secretary. says, get in touch with a Bob Wiley. We will I'll try to arrange an interview for him. And she says, oh, he's already called twice, and I think he's already on his way here. Yeah. Leo actually sees it as a good thing that he's, you know, timely and serious about the matter. But we meet Bob Wiley. We see him also in the opening scene. He is basically thinks he has a phobia of almost everything. Yeah. He has trouble leaving his house. He's very neurotic. He thinks he has all these phobias, but he doesn't. And so he has this interview and Leo Marvin agrees to take him on as a patient and he also makes sure to give him his book that is this big bestseller yeah. to help him, so he thinks it'll help him. It's called Baby Steps, and he tries it out, and he actually and uh, Bob actually thinks it works. Yeah. So he's all excited. And he says, "Be sure to tell you know, be sure to work on that when I'm on vacation," and that's when Bob gets very nervous. And Bob, like, asks about his family. He looks at the pictures, but he's telling him, I, I, what if, what happens? He says, well, there's another doctor you can talk to and I'll be back. So just, it's only a month and I'll be back and we can continue. Then Leo leaves and he's also just had this, arranged an interview with Good Morning America. They're going to be coming over to his house and talking about his new book. So he's very excited. Mm -hmm. So he goes on vacation, but Bob needs to talk to him. So he Reaches out to the operators who are telling him, "I can't give out that information." But eventually, he try he eventually cons him into getting the number, saying it's an emergency. But he doesn't. uh, Leo tells him, "Don't don't call me again." Doesn't get that. He gets a woman to pretend to be uh, Leo's sister to get through again. Mm -hmm. And he once again, Leo says, "This is highly inappropriate. Do not call me again." He's still trying to get in, find out where Leo is. So he goes to the operating place where they field the, the call. service. the yeah, yeah. answering service. And he yeah. pretends to be a homicide detective yeah. saying that Bob Wiley has killed himself and he might need to interview um, Leo. So they finally give him the information. And then he goes to Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire yeah. to, to his house and starts bothering him. And eventually he starts talking to the family and the family he meets the family the family all likes him yep but if he th- uh leo marvin take a vacation from your problems you can go right. anywhere but just anytime you get worried take a vacation from your problems and he thinks this has got him off for good yeah
1: he thinks he he tells him specifically only to take a take a vacation from his problems but you need to go back to new york yes and live your regular daily life and take a vacation from from your problems and he thinks but he's again he thinks he's been clever and he's going to get rid of Bob but, but that doesn't happen
0: no Bob <laughs> comes back and he says well I'm on vacation too and so now he starts regularly interacting with the family and they all like him he meets Anna Bob's I mean Leo's daughter right and then he goes sailing you know, yeah, he's all nervous about sailing, so they have to tie him to right. the raft like he's Odysseus with the sirens almost. <laughs> right, but right, right. He does that. He um, keeps going back to the house. His son, Sigm- uh, Leo's son, Sigmund, who has this uh, fear of dying, and he also diving. He's trying to get him to dive, but he doesn't want to jump in the water. Right? Bob actually helps him do that.
1: After after Leo had tried a Many couple times of times and, and never been able to get over his phobia of uh, diving, right? Yes. And Bob does it. It's kind of clever how they treat it. Um, Bob does it by basically uh, acting as afraid of it as Ziggy is and just saying, well, show me what, what it's like. And, uh, and, and, and Ziggy gets so involved in showing him what it's like that he forgets his own fear. And ends up, it ends up being the case that Bob helps him do his first dive. Yes, right. And then uh, Leo sees that, and he he's got to get out there. He says, "Okay, okay, I'll take over now. I'll take and over." He pushes
0: now. Bob into the water, <laughs> right? But this time, now they had, they let Bob stay for dinner. At this time, Leo is gone, gone as crazy as the therapy. Bob's yeah. previous therapist. He doesn't yes. like him. He won't let he won't leave. He never leaves. Right. And so they have to he's trying to get him to leave, but the a storm comes and so they have to let him spend the night. Yeah. He thinks okay, I'll get him out of here because then the morning, Good Morning America comes, but he's still staying and then yes. he tells that oh, it tells Good Morning America that I'm a patient of his. And so They have the idea. This is brilliant. This will be great for the interview. With you know, this will show how great your book works. Yes. So now he's on the interview on TV with Bob and Dreyfus chokes up, but Bob is very charismatic and he's talking about how great it is, and everybody likes Bob, but everybody thinks, oh, Leo choked in the interview. Right. And eventually, Leo tries to get hand him off to a like a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. right yeah just, yeah just get rid of him and they a say a colleague well, of his yeah a hospital. colleague and he yeah. says well, she, she says well i can only keep him 24 hours but if the colleagues don't agree with your diagnosis we have to let him go and he thinks oh that's not a problem and yeah. he's all happy but like right when he gets back from dropping him off he has to go back because all of them he's telling jokes all the guys like him yeah and then he brings him back <laughs> so then so then he, And then while he's coming back, he gets his car broke, his car breaks down. Yeah. And he, he gets, he has to walk home, but there's this big surprise party for him. All right. And his sister, Lily, shows up and she says hi. But when she shows up, Bob's got his arm around her and <laughs> then he officially snaps. He tries to strangle Bob. All right. And then they have to. Jumps off way. the balcony at yeah. him
1: and, and tries to kill him. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> and then after all of that, he takes Bob and then tries. Then now he get, tries to kill him. He gets yeah. a shotgun. He ties dynamite around his neck. He ties yeah. him up all while under the guise, because Bob is completely oblivious to how much right. uh, Leo hates him. So he has t- gone
1: totally around the bed. Yeah. So
0: he thinks this is some form of new therapy called death therapy. Right. So he just ties him up with dynamite around his neck, leaves him in the woods. And, but. With the timer going Yeah, with Bob feels that, oh, you're. It's, this is a metaphor for our, all the knots and strings that are tied up yeah. around me. I need to learn to let go.
1: So that so, I won't explode.
0: Yes. <laughs> so he lets go. So he's able to free himself. And then he goes back to Bob, uh, Leo's house. And, you know, he says, You've cured me. You've cured me. And he gives him his birthday cake. And then he find, he asks. Bob, where'd you put the dynamite? Oh, in the house, and then the house House explodes. And that was the final point. Leo is now in a catatonic state. Yes, and it goes. uh, Now Bob is now marrying his sister Lily, (laughs) and it flashes forward to the wedding, and they now have been pronounced man and wife.
1: And then finally, Leo screams, "No!" Right, because the out. guy had asked, you know, does anybody have any objections? And he's struggling to come back out of his catatonia to say something, and he doesn't quite do it on time. Yeah. And then that's the end of the film. Yeah. and Then there's know?
0: a little post script that Bob writes a he becomes he becomes a therapist and writes yeah. this best selling book called Death Therapy, and now yeah. Leo is suing him for right, the rights. For the rights, it's just a,
1: it's a great film. Yeah, it,
0: it's one of the uh, it's you go look at comedies of the 90s in that decade this has got to be up, up top
1: yeah it does and you know it's a it's a good frank oz production i mean we have to we have to point that mm-hmm. out uh just hysterical i mean uh, you know so many things come up with this thing as you're watching it um uh, one of the one of the, i don't know why this happened but in in connection with uh, covid um there, there was a time. We've gone through cycles with COVID, where you think, yeah. oh, maybe we're coming back out of it, and then some restrictions come again, and you're going to have to wear masks variant. again. Yeah. And there's another variant. And I don't know why, but there were there's some particular instance where at work we got an email. You know, we're going to have to do distance ed the first week or something here in here in academic year uh, 2022. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself you know what, uh, uh, this is like Bob. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's like uh, Dr. Marvin's uh, experiences with Bob. He just won't go away. And <laughs> I was thinking, COVID is just basically Bob. It's what about Bob. Um, that, that's, that leaps to mind. I don't know why. But the, the funny thing about the film is it really is uh, a battle between two narcissists. Mm-hmm. And that you was know. the thing I noticed
0: when watching yeah. this, because you're supposed to be on Leo Marvin's side, but as I watched this, because this has been the first time I've seen it in a while, I forgot how much of a jerk yeah. he is, because he, he he's very vain, he has this ego with that high-rise, uh, and when he first does that interview with Bob, what does he do? He gives him his book and he yeah. be sure to tell him it's a great new book. He doesn't tell him it's him, but you yeah. can tell he's bursting with that ego. And after he sends Bob away and he says, Oh, and be sure to charge him twenty nine ninety nine for the book. Yeah.
1: He's doing that, uh, dictaphone thing, a little tape recorder that doctors often do after they do visits so that later on they can bill appropriately. And it's, uh, yeah. And he says, Oh, and, and, uh, be sure to bill Bill uh, Bob, not only for the visit, but for the book. Yeah, and you can kind of just see he is very full of himself, and he thinks he's in total control of his life and that things are going swimmingly. And then, you know, once he has this visit from Good Morning America, it's going to be a further skyrocketing of his career. So he's really full of himself, and and he is a narcissist. And, and you see uh, from the interactions with the family that um, – um, the The kids don't really see too much of him, and they they just see he's kind of a careerist he's more interested in his career than the family life and uh, um you know there's that scene where where uh, Anna is giving Bob a ride and he goes you know how what's it great what's it like to live with this great uh therapist and she goes eh, it's not that great right you know you could see because he's he's made the decision to further his career over family so it's all about him right Mm -hmm. and then you see bob who's on the other end of this spectrum in regards to what he uh his feelings of uh, how well he he can control things he's a he's phobic he's a phobic about absolutely everything uh agoraphobic germaphobic he everything sets him off he can't even get on an elevator it's freaking him out so what does he do he takes he takes takes 20 stairs stairs, flights of stairs up um and but then again with him uh, as you see see him um, uh, interacting with with bob or with uh leo it's still all about him right And he loves being the center of attention. He loves psychotherapy just for the sake of having the psychotherapy. And he's been through at least four or five other psychotherapists. He lists all the names toward the end there when they're doing the death therapy scene. He says, you know, I didn't get there with blank. I didn't get there with X, Y, Z. And and then the last guy had passed him on. But it's different with you. Dr. Marvin, but you know it isn't. You know he's never going to get over it. He's always going to uh, want that attention that comes with uh, doing psychotherapy, right? It's it's uh, not quite that he doesn't actually have the phobias. He does, but he just loves the attention. And you can it's, kind of see at the end of the film what I like about it is he makes that transition transition. Uh, toward being more like Leo. Now he's going to have that kind of careerist outlook, right? He went to school after all of this, got his degree. He's writing a book. So he's just, he's just like Leo. I don't know if he's going to end up being a jerk, but he's certainly taking that turn toward uh, careerism. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Leo, in a way they kind of switched places. Leo now is the basket case and he's just coming out of the catatonia. Um, but just a, a, a wonderful commentary on neuroses, but also, I think more importantly, um, self-absorption.
0: And you even see you talk about with Bob. It's like that opening interview. One of the things he says is, "I need, I need, I need." <laughs> yes. he, he needs. He he doesn't have any consideration for. Yeah, I probably shouldn't pre- get this woman to pretend to be a Lily. A, leo's sister to try to get him talk to him on the phone i you know i should be considerate that he is going on vacation and does not want to see anybody on that vacation i'll just have to wait a couple of weeks till he comes back no no. it's all about him he needs that attention regardless of other people's problems
1: and he's able to actually make use of that need uh for lack of a better word kind of strategically uh when necessary right? He ingratiates himself with the uh, other members of Leo's family because he knows that's kind of his inroad to getting that attention from the therapist that he wants. And then when Leo's had it and he thinks, man, I'm going to, I'm going to thwart him. I'm going to take him over to that uh, mental hospital and my, and my colleague, I know I can get rid of him. Well, Bob kind of realizes all I have to do here is, uh, entertain them be the center of attention again i love doing that in the first place tell jokes uh convince them i'm completely normal and uh um i know i, I, I know i will be able to get back into the uh good graces of uh at least uh, leo's family if not leo himself but that's all i care about because then i'm back with leo and i can dominate his time again um yeah so he's he's just a complete <laughs> he's a comp- he's a lovable narcissist because you should say Um, you're right, he doesn't come off as being uh, a jerk like uh, Leo does. Which is still kind of interesting, but it's interesting because in both cases, uh, the two characters have little or no regard for anybody else. But the one's, if not lovable, at least appealing. And the other's just just, uh, kind of greasy, I guess you could say.
0: Yeah, and I was wondering if somehow being a sign Bob for his patient is some form of karma for Leo and his ego. Because it is the most disgusting, like one of the times they're they're going grocery shopping at this local store in their vacation house and they're getting all this stuff for the people of Good Morning America, and he even starts bragging to the cashier about this and the guy doesn't even know who he is but he's, he's like oh it's not going to be anything there's gonna be a few people for this interview i'm doing he's yeah still, he's, right he's, he's, he's
1: preening in front of this guy again he likes to be the center of attention too uh and he's he's get, you're right he's getting kind of payback so he, he's essentially being presented by karma or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. or the scriptwriter. <laughs> he, he's being presented with basically a mirror Hey, this guy. You know, in some ways, he's not like you, but in the most important way, he is. He's all about himself. So you're getting irritated because, at some level, at some level, he's he's presenting you with a not very pretty picture of yourself. Yeah. And you, does he ever get that message though? I don't know I if don't he think does. So. Yeah.
0: Even with um, how he sort of screws over other people, you see the two the elderly couple that work at a cafe that bob stopped at um the yeah. Gutmans. the gutman's yes because they were they had their heart set on that vacation house and they said we've been saving it for all our lives we've always had it but they can tell they're not as economically wealthy or oh, have no. that status no. and power that leo has but leo with that more money with that power he comes and swoops it before they can take it because he has more money yeah and but what what is the karma at the end? That house burns, and we still see them because they always have their canoe out that house, and they say burn, burn, burn. burn. Yeah. So even more, yeah. that and house we, is a testament to his vanity. Yeah,
1: and, and they're the they're the vehicle through which karma works, because if it wasn't for them, Bob would not have uh, uh, been able to get to their house. Yes, right, mm-hmm. and they even they even give him room and board while he's there because they know exactly what he's going to do. It's great.
0: And they're always have their canoe never leaves outside. Yeah, they're the, always the
1: on house. the lake out there. It's hilarious. And they're they're out they're on the lake when uh they witness the the breakthrough on the diving thing, right? And they're mm-hmm. cheering for that because they know exactly what that means for Leo. And even they're still
0: staring at him after he throws Bob in the water accidentally. And he he finally has enough of them looking at him. Leo says, I had every right to buy this
1: house. You can just see him. The great thing about this film is just over the course of the events, Dreyfus does such a great job of portraying this guy that is slowly but surely coming unglued. Because he can't control... All the aspects of his environment that he thought he could, and maybe up until that point he was able to largely control. Um, Bob's kind of like the random element, and he's not—he's not able to handle very well the fact that he has lost control. Uh, which is—it's an, inter- an interesting—it's kind of an interesting philosophical lesson there. You know, uh, one of the things the. Stoic uh, philosophical tradition tells you is you know it's very important for your ultimate ultimately for your sanity and your emotional health to be very clear uh, in uh, in distinguishing things um, that are completely under your control from those that are not. And we see that in the case of Leo, he hasn't thought carefully enough about that. He's been lucky most of his life. So as a result of being lucky, he believes that more things are under his complete control than actually are. And all you need is that little monkey wrench thrown into his life. That is Bob to show him how little is under his control. And he doesn't handle that very well. He becomes unglued. Uh, so there's kind of an object lesson there uh, in in this comedy about that very important central distinction that the Stoics make.
0: And with that character of Leo and that vanity and ego, I kind of wonder what sort of, in the fact that, you know, the guy before passes him on is like, ha ha, he's your problem now. Yeah. Wonder what the film has to say about therapy in general, because this was the 90s. And I thought this was the decade you really saw a lot of, therapy being represented in media. Yeah. There was also um analyze this with Billy Crystal and De Niro where uh Billy christ uh, De Niro's a mobster and he goes to see a therapist. That's a comedy. Yeah. But mobster therapist. Other thing you're obviously going to go to is The t- sh- Sopranos which came out at the end of the decade. Yeah. And that's a more serious look throughout the show with jennifer Jenniferly the therapist and Tony Soprano. Yeah. And even another one that comes to mind with therapy is the Hannibal Lecter TV show, where Hannibal Lecter, this is before he gets captured, Mm -hmm. is a therapist, and he is manipulating slowly some of his patients, and one of them is Will Graham, an expert for the FBI, a profiler on serial killers, and how that's sort of back and forth, and Will Graham is sort of unraveling the truth of who Hannibal Lecter really is. Yeah.
1: And it, it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting commentary on the faddishness that exist. this film at least, uh, a little bit of the faddishness that does uh, uh, orbit around psychotherapy. I mean, um, I can remember back, I mean, you're, you're mentioning the 90s, but I, I distinctly remember in the 70s, in the 60s, late 60s, and throughout the 70s, there were... There was a profusion of different, uh, very different uh, psychotherapeutic techniques, each one accompanied by a best-selling book and a period of time of maybe six months to a year, maybe two years, where it was popular and everybody wanted to do it. And everybody wanted to go find practitioners of these therapies. But in the long run, they kind of fizzle out. They uh, No one of them has any more success uh, in terms of actually helping people right their ships than any others, and some of them are just laughable. I mean, uh, there, there were screen therapies, there was something called Esalon, Uh And you, you look back on those kinds of uh, movements. and it does it does kind of uh, throw into relief the, the question of, you know just how uh, uh, effective psychotherapies are. And the complex interconnection that exists between the, the psychotherapy, therapeutic uh, schools as movements and the egos of the people that, uh, that are the originators of these movements. And, you know, I think it's a good cautionary tale uh, for people that are would be would be patients for any psychotherapeutic program. You know, it, it's basically saying and maybe this is taking this a little more seriously than than it was intended but it's still saying you know look you know in the long run uh it it's it's, it's it may be more difficult and it, but it may be more wise for you to be very circumspect um when you make use of these tools and do not fall into the trap of banking all of your well-being on this external this this therapy that's kind of out there like a magic pill, um, you know, you, you need to do what's kind of at the common core of therapies, examine yourself very carefully, be honest with yourself and uh, make uh, uh, corrections that you see fit. And maybe these tools will help you to some extent, but don't get so hung up on the externals and treat treating the th- uh, therapists as if they were some kind of gurus, uh, because that's going to lead you down the wrong path. And it's also a cautionary, I think, for ther- therapists too, to not get too full of themselves and think they have tapped into the ultimate source of wisdom and so forth. You know, you know, all therapies. I, th- I think there's certain elements of truth to all of them, sure. But um, don't don't begin to think, you know, you're, you're the first person who has uh, managed to to find that that wellspring
0: of wisdom baby
1: steps method that's
0: nothing new i mean even in football marty schottenheimer's thing is one play at a time so that's nothing really new
1: and and it's also a a very common insight a lot of people have uh there's something about human nature that recognizes the need for baby steps in certain situations i think we've talked about this before with regard to much more serious uh Um, uh, states of affairs, but um, uh, when I I hear that term baby steps, I always think of Lester Tenney, who was a POW uh, during World War II, part of the Bataan Death March. And he talks a lot about how he survived that by essentially creating for himself baby steps on the march. You know, there's this caribou right up, not caribou, but uh, um, ox, uh, carabao, that's Mm -hmm. the name of it, uh, up about 50 yards in front of me. I'm going to set the simple goal of getting to that animal. And then once I get there, I'll set myself another short, obtainable goal. I'm not going to make the mistake of looking far into the future and making a long-term goal of uh, surviving this because it will ultimately lead or it, it, it creates a greater risk of despair. But if I keep these short, simple goals in mind and really try my best just to focus on those, Maybe I'll survive in the end. And you can see something like that is behind the idea of baby steps. And it works. But that's because it's not because Leo Marvin's some great genius. It's just because it's kind of a common element of human wisdom that's kind of built into all of us. And we kind of run into it when when the situations arise that require it.
0: Yeah, and even we talk about some... We talk about something extreme like death therapy. Um, I was looking up, there is some extreme kinds of therapy. One of the things I looked up was attack therapy, where pretty much you get insulted for a certain amount of time, and you're supposed to react to that. Now, obviously, I don't think that would work for a lot of people, but I wonder, with somebody In Bob's case, did he just need a good old-fashioned dose of the cold, hard truth? (laughs) Yeah. Because therapists can do that. Because in one of my favorite scenes in The Sopranos is when Tony's wife also goes to see a therapist, but not the same one he sees. And he, in in the matter of minutes, he tears down all the defenses she's been giving— all those years for associating and living with a criminal, yeah. he tears her down completely and says, if you want to sleep at night, you need to leave him. You need to take the kids and you cannot take a cent of his blood money. Obviously she still stays with him and makes excuses, but does something like that need to happen to Bob?
1: I, I think so because he needs to be told, you know, you are as, as uh, Leo says, he's a, mm-hmm. a textbook case of a classic narcissist. Right. Um, and, and, for whatever reason, none of his therapists have pointed that out to him. But, yeah, I mean, one of the, uh, and you don't, have to, you don't have to do it in the cruel manner of um, uh, attack therapy. You don't have to, but you can just be, to use a phrase that still brings forth the idea of attack, brutally honest. But you can do it in a, in a way that's civil, tactful, and he certainly needed that. Now, whether it would sink in or not, I don't know. Um, but I, I think uh, Leo Leo could have done that, and the previous um, therapist could have done that. Uh, in the in the uh, circumstance of the showing up on vacation, um, he should have done it not only with Bob, but in front of the family, and say, "Look, this is inappropriate. I'm not going to talk to you here. Period. You are, you know, you're you're displaying the very behavior you're attempting to fix or you want somebody to help you fix i'm not going to allow you to do it i'm going to take you back to the bus i'm going to put your ass on that bus i'm going to send you back to new york make sure you take gill the goldfish with you mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and i will see you then but under no circumstances will i talk to you period and he had to be he had to be willing to do that even if it placed his own career at risk But you can see the reason he doesn't do it in that crucial scene when Good Morning America shows up is because he doesn't want to be made to look bad on television, right? Because that will be catastrophic for his practice. It'll be catastrophic for the sales of the book. So what does he do? He kind of backs away from being honest with Bob at all. And uh, by doing so, he lets Bob take over the whole event, Yes, which is even worse for him than it would have been if he had just simply been He's brutally honest a- a- with Bob.
0: A- in the aftermath, everybody who runs it is like, hey, I just saw you on TV. You were really great. They don't even recognize Leo.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Probably in the uh, follow on from uh, the film, uh, I would imagine it's, it's plausible to assume that Bob goes on to be the big celebrity here. And that uh, Leo kind of shrinks into the background after he loses that lawsuit.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale. There you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics on the Naval Warrior and The Do-Over. If you like this podcast, you might be interested in my other podcast, Real Sounds, which episode is dedicated to classic movie soundtracks. That can be found online at com. So until next time, I'm Alex Baker. And I'm Sean Baker. Saying, you think he's gone? He's never gone. You see?